but that's why the rich get richer. I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm over here making somebody's monthly salary in a day. And all I did was have money. And so imagine Bezos, imagine Elon, they have all their wealth in stocks and then their stock goes up 10% in a day and they're making a billion dollars in a day. There's nothing you can't do when you have a bunch of money in the stock market. You can't get rid of the wealth, Raphael. Beat talk. Episode 77. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection, available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? dope when it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. So Jesus, shout out to Jesus, man. The perfect number. Man, God is so real. I was talking to my wife this morning and I was like, we're just blessed. And I was telling her how like blessings follow doing the right things. And a lot of us, we're like looking for God to like just kind of get us out of our mess instead of like living the way God said to live and then getting the blessings that come from what God says to do. And so that's why you got to be in your Bible. You got to be getting that word so that you can understand the instructions that you're supposed to live by. And then the blessings of God come from that. And they're blessings that you can't even see. You're just like, why am I, why am I so blessed? Why is this coming to me? Because, and that's where the Godness comes from, because it's like, you don't see how it's happening. You just know that it is happening. And I was like, that's how I know that God is real. Cause it's like, these things just happen. You do what God says do, and you get what God has destined for you. But too many of us have God on like speed dial. Like, yeah, I know I'm out here drinking and smoking and smashing all these fees and living my life. But God, please look out for me on this job interview. God, please bless my business. Like, no, God told you what to do, man. You didn't do it. If you do what God says do, God will make it way for you. And so shout out to that. Shout out to Jesus. And let's get it going. This is the first um, This is the first episode since you left the job. I was going to ask for an update, man. but that's the update. Left the job. Um, man, I'm free. And it's so funny because... It's like I said, like when you when you don't have that security, you don't waste time. You don't waste opportunity. I've had a packed day, Raphael. I've been into meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, making phone calls, double time of my lunch, like just getting it. And we've done well because of it. Interestingly enough, ever since Black Friday, from Black Friday into now, I've made as much money as my annual salary was because I just been grinding and it's only Tuesday, Roth. So, you know, I said, it feels like a Friday because every day is a Friday when you work for yourself. And so Wednesday, I still got Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. What are we going to do? I want a hundred K week, hundred K week in this B man. Let's get it. K week in this B. So yeah, man, we're blessed. I'm happy. I get to, I mean, I still come into the office, be getting it in. I work a nine to nine for myself in the beginning. It's going to be a grind. I mean, I feel like you got to get around the right people because talking to Rashana just casually will change your life. Rashana was telling me how like she left her job last year and like this year she's killing it. Deal after deal after deal after deal, just killing it. 
And she was saying, like, it didn't happen like that. Like, when she left, it was kind of slow, and she was pushing it and cranking it and hustling it. And all that work she did last year set her up to be good this year. And so what I'm expecting is that for myself. I'm not even really counting on this year. I'm expecting it to be a grind. I'm expecting it to be a hustle. And that's why I'm doing things to kind of knock out expenses in advance. And so I'm like, hey, let's just put some cash into the mortgage, take that stuff. So I got to focus on that and I can focus on uh, this this money because it's going to have to go to the mortgage anyway. Might as well put it there now and just keep hustling. So um, get around the right people because even your casual conversations are going to supersede the deep conversations that you have with ignorant motherfuckers. And I've always said that I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather be in the right environment, having a casual conversation about renting a bag up than be over here and folks over here pontificating about how oppressed we are, whatever the hell they want to talk about that's not productive, but they think it's deep. Welcome to the Tweet Talk podcast, the first episode of the podcast that is 100% slavery free. <laughs> For one of us. For one of us. You next, man. If you, you just got to listen to me, you don't like to listen to me. I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rafael is grown. He don't got to listen to nothing I got to say. Yeah, man. But I, I, man, I do listen, man. I do listen. It, it's a, you know, it is old habits die hard. You know, I'm older, I'm older, older than you. You know, what's interesting is I was listening to the uh, the Eric Thomas podcast. After you listen to them ramble, they actually drop bars. Uh-huh. So you got to listen to them ramble for like 30 to 45 minutes. Dang. And after they finish talking about cheesecake and that kind of stuff, Eric Thomas be dropping gems. Jamal, nine to five million there. Gems. Even CJ be dropping gems. Carl, too. But Carl is from Barbados. And his yeah. accent sounds like yours. And I was like, that's Raphael right there, man. You can hear the accent. Yeah, well, you know what? I've never, I've never listened to a whole episode. I can't get through the <laughs> ramble. <laughs> I can't get through the ramble. It's, never... a, it's a lot of rambling. Is that long though? 30, 40 minutes of rambling? Man, it's too much for me, man. But uh, any stop talk for the for the crowd, the audience, before we get um, into it, get into it. You know, hold on one second. You can't do sunflower seeds and uh and do a podcast. <laughs> You can't do sunflower season to a podcast. I was going to try, but it was just hurting my cheek. So, um, man, stock talk. Um, right now, the market is kind of like in limbo because we're waiting for this uh, this vaccine news. But the vaccine news is coming. Um, Moderna just kind of released that they're going to be they made some developments. And I want to say that the biggest things that are coming is they're going to be sitting for the FDA approval. So that could be a pivotal day in the stock market. I want to say Moderna is like December 10th. And Pfizer is December 6th. And so it could be good or bad if they approve it and it gets FDA approval, um, then that would just explode the stock market. But if it does not get FDA approval, we could see a lot of money being lost. I want to bet on making a bunch of money and not losing a bunch of money. So I would like to see them get the approval and then distribute that vaccine. Um, California is supposed to be getting about 350, I want to say, um, doses of of the vaccine and so that's important but the world's going to go back to normal and at one point in time we're going to forget covid was even a thing and so you need to get your money in place because if you are waiting for the world to go back to normal you're going to take a an l and you're going to be talking about all the money that you could have made and so there's still opportunity out there there's still opportunity in all these companies that are being killed by covid one of the most interesting things that i did notice is that zoom got crushed into earnings um, and I think a big part of the reason is people are realizing that it is very overvalued. I think it was down to like negative 25% at one point. And I've been saying this for the longest time is like, you're going to see a cycle. 
you're going to see a situation where stocks that were trading high into COVID are going to correct down and stocks that are trading low are going to correct up. And so if your strategy is appreciation, you need to be on the right side of things going up, not things going down. Um, I've also been seeing a lot of people who were kind of posting like these new high flying stocks. That's just not my style of investing because that's speculation. I was telling somebody, we don't have enough data to make an informed decision on this stock. So we're guessing. You're asking me to give you an informed decision on something that is a year old um, and it's up 500%. I'm, that's just not my lane. I'm not aiming for that. We look to amplify smaller returns of guaranteed positions, not hit a home run off of something that really has no root, no foundation in reality. And we've seen it too many times. We've seen it with Hertz, seen it with Nikola. We've seen all these stocks boom and then come plummeting down. So it would behoove you to find a good company that makes sense to buy as opposed to just chasing a return. Because people, that's what they're doing. They're seeing a return like, man, this person made this much money in this, but why? And can they repeat it? Probably not. So find something that makes sense. Yep. Tonight's Stock Talk brought to you by Todd Capital Options Community. And if you missed out on the Black Friday sale from Todd Capital, you really missed out because it, the, the subscription was down to, what, $9 a month? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize that until people kept until I kept seeing the notifications. I was like, they wilding out. <laughs> Some people were smart. They bought the whole year. They're like, I ain't playing. I ain't taking that risk. Mm, got you. Got you. But I think anyway, it's going to be $9 a month anyway with the, with the discount. But anyway. It's like Netflix. You know, that was my thought process. It's like, you know, Netflix made a bunch of money off of a $9 membership. So maybe I need to discount it even more and just really blow their socks off. Um, and maybe that's what I might do. We'll see. Mm, 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 mm. If this is your first time listening, folks, this is Tweet Talk, the Blackwell podcast, where we discuss tweets dissect tweets and talk about building black wealth every single episode and we are your hosts Raphael and charles you can follow myself Raphael, on twitter at work money life and follow charles at real todd billion on twitter and let's get into it so charles you had a tweet i mean this is this is something your whole week you said being an entrepreneur is freeing yeah um I don't know why I, I stated that, but one thing I will tell people is that Sunday nights feel a lot different when you don't regret where you're going. Like you don't, it's not a dreadful experience because a lot of us, we only experience freedom on the weekend. We only get the ability to come in when we want to, leave when we want to, leave early if we desire. Cause that was one of the biggest things that happened when I was working the job. He was like, you left before five o'clock. And it's like, man, whatever. And so <laughs> it, it's 100% freeing. I, I sell what I want to. I promote what I want to, when I want to, how I want to. I wear what I want to. It's just freeing. Um, it comes with some expenses, but it's definitely an empowering feeling knowing that I do what I want, when I want to. Um, somebody somebody just posted something and she was talking about how like jobs are the new slavery. And she was just going through all the different things that they dictate that you can and can't do. Um, and she uh, basically equated it to new age slavery. It's something I've been saying for the longest time. People don't like it when I say it, but maybe that's why they keep showing us slave movies. So we just remember what we are. And so, um, I had a point and I forgot it, but I would just say like, oh, that was one of the reasons why, like I was another one of the reasons why I left when I left, how I left. Because this dude, this, this, like, this quote manager was kind of talking to me like I was beneath him. And I was like, you don't get to talk to me like that, man. I was like, I don't know who you think you are. I felt like Dame Dash. I was like, you don't even own the business. You can't own a business. You're a manager. But you run around as though you own the business. And so I just, I, I, I kind of got sick of it. And I mean, they call it financial freedom for a reason. Because it definitely is freedom. And I only intend to become more financially free. 
Who did you think you were talking to, security guard? Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> See. But um, there was another tweet where you said more employees, not less. Yeah. Um, I forgot where the premise of that came from, but I think it was because I was talking to, I, might, I think I might have been listening to one of the podcasts that I did. I was listening to the most recent Millionaire podcast. And I was talking about how a lot of times we think that we we have to be able to afford employees before we hire employees. And I think that is a mistake because what's going to happen is as you bring them on, you're going to grow. And so if you never bring them on, you can't grow. And so I've seen how my business will grow exponentially. The more people that I bring into the fold, as long as they're productive people, people who add value, people who are helpful, people who aren't just mooching off me. And if I can get that, then I can get a strong return. Now, I think I mentioned this on here, but I'm not sure. But a big part of me isn't even so much involved with like having people be my employee per se, because I ain't trying to slave out my people. I want them to be empowered as well, just like I'm empowered. And so a lot of people that I work with, I see it as a partnership and a lot of them come in as 1099s and I, I pay them as if they're like a partner, like Sheridan, she runs a virtual assistant company and I pay her through her business. The vending machine route guy, I pay him through his business. My contractors, I pay them through their business. My admins, I pay them. They're all 1099s because that's another thing that's important is like when we do capitalism, we don't got to do capitalism how they do capitalism. We get to do capitalism how it benefits all of us involved, not just the guy at the top or the person who doesn't look like you, because that's how they do capitalism. They just don't do the capitalism like that when it pertains to us. They treat us and they don't pay us the same and they don't hire us the same. But when you go up to Silicon Valley, you got folks making a quarter million dollars a year working at Facebook. You go up to Wall Street, you got folks making $300,000 working on Wall Street. So just because you're an employee doesn't mean that you have to be low wage. You have to be treated like you're beneath somebody. That's not how they treat their own. That's how they treat you. But there's a way to do capitalism intelligently. And that's what happens when you work with your own people. Right. And you said um, a job is the least effective way of making money. Break that down for us. Um, I just find that. So I had this thought and I was like, you get paid based on the amount of people that you serve. So if you're only serving your boss, you can only really get paid one time. And what makes e-com so powerful is you can serve multiple people per hour, per minute, as many as they come in. Like you buy the product, you've gotten served. And so if you serve more people, you make more money. But if you only can serve one person, you make less money. And so we're over here filing in line to serve one person. And we're wondering why we aren't making any money. Not only that, the exchange of time for money isn't a very effective uh, exchange, especially given the fact that what they're paying you for your wage pales in comparison to what you can make in your business. So, so for example, Miss Cynthia, she sells food. And if she were to go work a job making burgers, she would make maybe 15 bucks an hour. But if she sells burgers, now she's making $2,000 an hour. And so if you exchange your time and if you create a job with you, you are robbing yourself because you're going to make more money selling things than you will selling yourself. There's only so much of yourself that you can sell, but you can take yourself, duplicate yourself and scale that. And that's what I was telling them. And I didn't get a chance to expand on this. I was hoping he would kind of discuss this more, but with digital products, I don't got to re-up. And with merch, you got to re-up. With bags, you got to re-up. With whatever else you're selling, 
You got to go back and give them money to buy more, to sell more. I literally never have to do that with digital products. I always got fresh merch. I always got good work. All I got to make sure is I record it and it's good. And that's why a lot of people have made a lot of money doing this because it's unlimited, which makes your wealth unlimited. There's always a new customer. Um, I had a sale and I was selling some stuff for like 30 bucks. And somebody will say, well, why would you sell your course for 30 bucks? It's worth way more than that. I was like, I would rather get 30 bucks from somebody who would never buy anything from me than get nothing from that person. So if I can get $30 from a bunch of people who would never buy anything, if it was priced at hundred bucks, 150 bucks, that's a win. I'm going to take that all day because there's unlimited people. There are millions right. upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people in this world. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, sir. Yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And I've always said, if I can just get a dollar from everybody in this world, I'd be a multimillionaire. And that's how you do it. You create something. It could be $10. It could be $20. Chris is selling all seven of his courses for $35. People are just buying just because it's cheap and they'll sit on the shelf, may not ever watch it. But at least you got that money and you got it from some people who's out there. There's unlimited people, Raphael. I know he's making money hand over fist. Yeah, he gave Mm -hmm. away a bunch of value, but he's going to sell it to 10,000 people. So he's extended the sale a few times too. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy. And the thing about the um, digital products is you can work on it one time and just keep getting paid and getting paid. Do the work once and get paid forever. Like you write the book or you shoot the course, the videos, you put it up there and just leave it up there. Even if you don't push it, it can just sit there and people can just come and buy it whenever they want to. It's just there forever. Or at least until the site goes down, whatever. But you, <laughs> you said, take whatever you're interested in and try to monetize it. Yeah, I think that was another thing that I got from uh, from uh, what was I watching? Uh, I was listening to the podcast and he's, he said that. And I think that I saw Layla post something and she posted like her uncle had um, what was he doing? He was charging people to clean their chitlins before Thanksgiving. Right. And I was like, that is dope. That is so dope to me because like we, we have skills, we have abilities, we have the ability to, to, to do things that other people might not want to do. 
And so if we monetize that, we can create wealth and income for our family that's not dependent upon a job. Because I guarantee you, for an hour's worth of cleaning chitlins, he wasn't getting paid what he would get paid an hour's worth on his job. He's probably charging like 50 bucks to 100 bucks to, to clean these, ch- these chitlins. And so we as a community need to learn how to monetize more instead of shaming people, people who do monetize. Which is strange because to me. Monet- Yeah. And then we complain that we don't have any wealth. So I just, um, <coughs> I think that um, we have to change our our wealth mentality because a lot of us don't really know, like we don't know how to create wealth. Tone Talks knows poverty. He does not know wealth. Like he never grew up around wealth. He never existed in wealth. All he can tell you is poverty because he's made a very in-depth study of poverty. But if he did an in-depth study of wealth, maybe he would actually understand how to create it instead of just talking about how we don't got none. And so um, that's basically my thoughts on that, man. Hey, you you did have a tweet talking about shout out to Tone Talk for telling me I can do all the things I've already done. I'll be shouting out Tone Talks all the time, man. Because he swears we can't do anything, man. Right. I'm not sure how yet how long he expects us to wait. Waiting for that. Trans- if if reparations for- did come, mm-hmm. it'll be it would it would look like what happened with those stimulus checks. Here today and gone tomorrow. Right. Waiting on that transformative government, as he loves to say. <laughs> That's not gonna happen, man. So he's he's saying that the people that put us in this situation are the ones who have to save us. And we somehow are supposed to convince them to do so. It ain't worked yet. After all those protests and supposed wins, folks still losing, man. It's very interesting to go back to people and say, you did us wrong and it benefits you. You need to do what's right. Mm. So it can benefit you a little less or something. I don't don't know. I I think it's just a lazy solution. That's all. It's not that it works. It's just lazy. It's a lot easier to beg somebody to build something for you than it is to actually build something for yourself. So let's talk a little bit about your recent timeline. So you closed on the house um, November what, 23rd? I think so, yes. What day of the week was that? I don't remember. Off the top it was a Monday. A Monday. Did you actually quit the very next day or how, how did you do it? No, um, I want to say I quit on that Wednesday, but I... Um, it was it was Thanksgiving was Thursday, so that was already a day off. And then mm-hmm. Friday, they kind of technically gave us a day, the last day off. They kind of gave us like the day off because it was the day after Thanksgiving. And so um, I left early Wednesday because I had to go get my car. No, I left early. Went, I left early Tuesday. Right. And that's mm-hmm. when he sent me the email. And he was like, hey, man, you left early. What's going on? And I was like, yeah, I was actually planning on tomorrow being my la- I was planning on Friday being my last day, but I can make it tomorrow if you want me to. Um <laughs> And that was on Tuesday because I left early to come to my office because I had a, a a meeting with the hotel dude on uh, a meeting with the hotel dude. That was an interesting choice. And so um, I, I went to work on Wednesday and I left at like two because I had to get my car, which is great because I just didn't want to be there anyway. Didn't go on Thursday because Thanksgiving. And then on Friday, didn't go in either. Spent most of Friday moving and then spent all of Saturday moving. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, we we're kind of just chilling. But Saturday, we had some friends over too, so that was kind of cool. We watched the Tyson fight and then um, in your own house. Yeah. And then on Monday, I was just like, I ain't do, I ain't going. So my wife was like, you going to, to work? And I was like, I'm going to do some work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think she's had she had faith in me. Ye- yesterday was a good day of sales. Today was a good day of sales. So um, I just got to keep hustling, keep hustling, keep investing. It was a good day investing as well. 
put some more money to work, looking at some deals, talking to a dude about a 12 unit, talking to a dude about it. Actually, I have a duplex under contract. I have a single family home under contract. So this month I can close 20 doors. I'm messing around to close 20 doors this month. Um, and I started to raise my sights higher. I was like, you know what? 20 doors ain't shit. I was like, I want a hundred doors. Like if I'm going to run a capital company, I need to scale. And so now my conversations right. change. Now my, my the people I'm talking to change. And now I'm looking at going bigger. And that's kind of what happens is your mentality has to grow. Cause I want to be able to employ people all the time. I don't just want to be able to have this little bump, like, okay, it was fun. Had a bunch of people working for me. That was great. Like, no, like I want to always be in this position to have interns, to have an, a, an assistant who just shows up on my conference calls to just make sure she's there. Like that is dope. And everybody's benefiting. Everybody's winning because seeing somebody like me doing this empowers everybody. And we never talk about that. Like we talk about the money. We talk about that, but also just seeing it, that makes people want to go out there and get it. Paris named herself millionaire. Ain't looked back since she chasing that M even Sierra. Sierra, she got around and she's like chasing it. We don't really talk that much or at all anymore, but I know the people, I made it seem real. If you've only seen poverty, you're only going to know poverty. You're only going to think poverty. But if you've ever seen somebody do it, and I think that's why my mentality is so different than Tone Talks. Tone Talk, both his parents are like crapped out. Um, no, 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 nothing against that, but like you don't get to speak for what's possible for black people if you come from only the worst of what blackness has produced. If you've seen what black people can do in this country, I think you're qualified to speak on what we can do. But if you've only seen what we can't do, you should stop projecting that on everybody. And my entire life, that's kind of been the the thing is it's always been people who are just like, we can't, we can't, we can't. It's not possible. But it's like, well, how do you know? There's people out there doing it to look just like you. So what is that? If there's people who are looking, who look like you, who have done it, but you're saying it can't be done, mm-hmm. who's wrong? Yeah, right. Well, I guess it's because... It's like another tweet you had. You said, for most people, the extent of their money education is work a job, spend all your money on living life, go back to work. Yeah. I see so many people and that's all they do. Um, And it's sad. And I think I was kind of having this thought about the Forex people. I was like, man, because I was looking at the gains that we've made just in stocks, not even in like Gumroad money. But I was like, my stock money is is looking like Gumroad money. I made more money in Gumroad last week or in stocks last week that I made in Gumroad. Um, and so I never had $100,000 in Gumroad. I've had some good days, but not a $100,000 day. And so I was just wondering why you have these people who they make all this money and they don't own shit. I was like, that's just crazy to me. Like you made all that money and all you mm-hmm. got is Dior. You made all that money and, and like you didn't buy no stocks. You didn't buy no homes. You don't have any control. Your circumstances literally have not changed. You just look better. <laughs> And so, um, but I've seen that with like other people that I know, friends, family. I'm just like, man, like, like all I see them do is make it, spend it, go back to work, make it, spend it, go back to work. When it's like, what else are we going to do with our, with our money or even our knowledge? Cause I'm trying to put together deals that don't even require money anymore. It just requires knowledge. And if you never get your financial education game up, you'll spend your whole life working for money. Mm. Work to learn, not to earn. But um, really quick, I think it's time for the long-time listeners to get a nice dose of the Mobile Barbershop Chronicles. Chronicles. <laughs> Chronicles. Yeah, so we're going to kill the Mobile Barbershop. It was fun while it lasted, but it's just turned into a bad investment. And I think sometimes you got to know to just walk away from investments, especially when other things are more lucrative and less time-consuming because you can't get your time back. And so I'm just going to cost a lot of money to 
fix up the inside, fix up the engine. Um, so much so that it's just, it doesn't make sense. I think if we were to do it again, maybe invest in a, in a newer, a newer uh, vehicle, invest in fixing that up and then just rent it. But you got to really want to start that business. It's not rental property. It's not just like you sit it and forget it. It's a business. And I'm not a barber. I don't know how to, I don't even know how to cut hair. And so it just doesn't make sense for me to be in that space. It makes sense for me to stay where and what I know. And so I think we made a mature decision to pass on that. And then we're focused on really making Tide Capital and Tide Acquisitions into um, something of a, like a hedge fund almost. And so we're looking at restructuring that whole process, maybe uh, reforming some, some, some corporate entities, deeding over the properties to the new entities, giving the people who have invested actual shares in that new company mm-hmm. and just moving like a company that could potentially go public if we just continue to scale these things. So, yeah. Okay. So you bring, let me bring that up. I think for this episode's segment of Black Billionaire Banter, I think you should talk for a minute about Todd Capital. What do you mean? So you're talking about uh, acquisitions, the bar- mobile barbershop, you know, you got the, the, the rental real estate. For some people who may not know too much about Todd Capital, let's talk about the beginnings really quick. The 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 stock club and buying real estate as a group, like how you started and how you would do things differently now if you had to start that over again. Um, so yeah, um we started as like a mm-hmm. like a partnership and at first it made sense we only owned one home. It was like super easy to get in. We got an LLC, we own one home, blah blah blah. And then as we continued to do it and we continue to have like different people with different stakes and people in different properties, people in some properties not in other properties, it just became crazy and you got some properties that are cash flowing, some properties that aren't having expenses it just became kind of like a, a hairball of mess. And so um, at the time it made sense because we weren't sitting on like $10,000 to invest in like an attorney to draft these documents for us. We couldn't get access to certain crowdfunding uh, platforms to actually structure it, which would have been great. Like if we could just post the deal online, people buy in, it's all managed through that way, through an electronic platform, that'd be a million times easier. Instead, we're using like Google Excel sheets and those can be modified and edited. And you got people saying, I sent you money. I didn't send you money. I sent you money here. Where's this? Where's that? Um, quite honestly, I think that a better way would have just been to do kind of like what Tulsa and what all these other guys are doing. But we weren't doing deals of that magnitude, partly because I didn't have the experience to do deals of that magnitude. And so we had to kind of start with smaller deals that made sense financially, but wasn't going to get us in over our head. So I don't think that I would do anything differently per se. Um, I think maybe what I would have done, because I was so pro ownership, 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 is I I would have backed people out from having ownership in the actual um, asset itself to having ownership in the entity that owns the asset. And so then we're just selling like another round of shares. So we're saying, okay, we're selling $20,000 worth of shares. You can buy them. It's going to go towards this. Instead, we're like, we're going to buy this property. You can put up what you want to put up so we can buy this property. And now you own a stake of that property. And so it's very complicated. And and like when you make a decision, you get paid into a bunch of regulations. So let's say, oh, it's an LP. Okay, well, if it's an LP, then this person has to be that. And you have to get this form from that person. You got to fire taxes this way. You got to send them a K-1. It's just like every decision comes with a lot of consequences. And so that's the big part of the reason why we didn't do it that way. Um, But on the other side of it, it still is complicated. So it's it's complicated. The least complicated deals are the deals I do with myself. (laughs) When you start bringing in partners, it's just like opinions and ideas and regulations. It's just like, 
that's kind of why I just don't want partners, but I'm so giving them just like, all right, well, you guys can participate. Um, so I gotta, I gotta figure that part out. I mean, that was kind of the, the idea when you started for us to link up together and do things together because even small amounts, if you put it all together, you can do big things. Yep. But so for this episode's Black Billionaire Spotlight, I'd like to highlight Mike Adenuga, second richest man in Nigeria. He's worth, according to Forbes magazine, $6.1 billion. Built his fortune in telecom and oil production. Mobile phone network, Globalcom, is the second largest in Nigeria with 50 million subscribers. And his oil aspiration outfit, Corn Oil Producing, operates six oil blocks in the Niger Delta. Interestingly enough, he got an MBA at Pace University in New York. Worked his way through college as a taxi driver. Made his first million at age 26, selling lace and distributing soft drinks. Very interesting. Mike Adenuga worth $6.1 billion. He made his money through sales, though. You don't make your money working. So you got to sell some stuff, Rafael. You need more product, man. Yeah, I think. More product. More product, more product, more product. I think it's interesting how geography affects wealth and how people how people get their wealth. Like how so? Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Yeah, so I was talking last episode about how in America we see the black billionaires are mostly coming through entertainment and celebrity or whatever, but in, the African billionaires are mostly through industry. But why is that? Part of that is because they live in Africa, the richest, as far as uh, natural resources go, Africa is the richest continent on the earth. So you know, it makes sense. A lot of the, a lot of these guys are in oil, yeah. and interestingly, interestingly enough, a lot of them are in oil, or they make cement, and then telecom. Well, I think in part, it also has to do with um, this concept that like if your country is going to have it, it has to be done by the citizens of that country. So if you want development, if you want industry and all you got is a bunch of black folks around you, one of them black folks better be the person of the mindset that thinks they can get it done. Um, In America, we are able to just say white folks, you do it for us, not realizing that you're going to make him rich and having him do the work for you. And that's why I always tell us that we got to be our own solution. We can't be over here telling them to build affordable housing for us or to make our schools safe or to educate our children or to police our neighborhoods. We're just giving them all the power and the wealth. The the wealth flows to the solution is the wealth flows to the person who does the work. The poverty flows to the person that gets dictated to and gets done for 
And that's why we got a bunch of poverty. Because if you look in communities, the people that are the wealthiest, the people that are doing all the serving and all the giving and all the uplifting, we see it as beneath us. We see having to serve somebody and feed somebody is beneath us, but that's actually where the wealth is. Yeah, like you said, um, we got to provide our own solutions, but not only that, we have to provide solutions, period. We got to think bigger than just for Black people. Like, we see a problem, we solve it, and we get paid. Absolutely, I 100%. Mean, you think about it, you say you solve a problem that's not just for Black people, that's big money. Absolutely. We are only 13% of the population. And white folks are white, 68 or something like that? Oh, no, that's probably too big. But they're the the mainstream majority, you solve some of their problems too, you get get a bigger piece of chicken. <laughs> Something to think about. We got to put that on the shirt, get the big piece of chicken. <laughs> right. The big piece of chicken. Write that down. But that's, I think that's interesting. Um, one of the things that I like about China is China doesn't let uh, people in their community and their country use like outside things. So you can't use Twitter, Facebook, Pandora. They're going to create a Chinese version of that. And they create China wealth by doing that. I'm telling you, like, the reason why America is in debt now is because we're not a producer nation. We're a consumer nation now. And you can only consume so much before you run out of money and then you start having to use debt. And a lot of that happened when we started shipping jobs off to different countries. Yeah, they might have been low-wage jobs, but a job is a job is a job. Um, A low-wage job is still going to help you build something um, if you have an eye towards building, especially in mass. And so, like, that's why you see these immigrants come over here. And I'm talking about in terms of, like, the hierarchy of doing something. Like, at the at the bottom level, you have the people who don't do shit, just sit in the corner and beg. At the next level, you have the people who actually have a job. They can put a roof over their head. They can actually start saving some money. And then you got the actual, like, producer who owns the whole factory that all the jobs are at. And he's making the big bucks. But, and that's the thing, is in America, we didn't really value that. We're just giving all our jobs away, like, Oh, it's, it's, this is a, a cheap factory job. Nobody needs this. And all those factory jobs were in the Midwest. That was black wealth, black, like actual success that was just shipped over to overseas. And we just gave all our wealth to them. And now we don't got no money. And now our communities are decimated. All those areas, the black middle class came from manufacturing. That's where we got our middle class from. Um, and now we're trying to get it out of college degrees. And we see how that's working for us. Yeah, what's what's hmm, what do you mean exactly? Because I know you you are a proponent for college education, but at the same time, um, are you are you saying like we just can't we can't? It's kind of like you always say that we need black uh, black oriented solutions for black people. Is that kind of what you're saying? Maybe like we, can't, we can't just do everything that other people are doing and get the same results. I would I would say so. Yeah. Um, I think that I definitely believe in education, but I don't feel like education has to lead to job. Um, I think that education can lead to entrepreneurship. It can lead to working for your own, for your own. The reason why Thai capital exists is because I have a degree in finance. If I was just some Negro who decided to open up an investment firm, like I'm not qualified to do that. And that's why Thai capital gained traction where all my other businesses did not gain traction because I understand the space. Like I'm in here trying to sell neckties. I don't know anything about finance or about fashion. I'm not educated in the space, but I'm educated in the space of finance. I'm educated in the space of law. I'm educated in the space of business in general. And that's why I think that for me starting a business, and I think this can kind of be me being insensitive. Like I actually have business education. So I understand the inner workings of a business. I understand what I need to know, what I don't need to know. Um, And so that's why I could just start stuff. 
because I'm not too caught up on the formalities and making sure I got a mission statement and a business plan and all that stuff. I'm like, go sell the product, go. <laughs> so I think education definitely matters. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know. I was thinking about this today. I was like, I feel like if I were to go back to grad school and try to do it, I would just be like miserable. Like, I don't think that, I mean, hopefully not, but I was like, I feel like it would be like when I was at my job, like I'm just here to just like, like just here, like I don't need it. But we'll see, because I definitely want to get back in. Uh, we'll see what that. Maybe I'll try it and see if it works out. I'm taking only online classes when I do go back, though. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Money never sleeps. Now you said um, the more you earn, the more you are able to earn. Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, uh, just seeing how much your stocks can earn when you have a lot of money versus when you just have like a baby account. And so I used to get excited for like 10k days of like 10k day. That's amazing. And now I'm like, okay, 10K a day is kind of commonplace. Like my stocks in my Robinhood account did like 6,400. And I'm not really like excited. I'm just like, all right, 64. I was kind of hoping for more. Um, but I think B Real Estate mentioned this. is like the stock market goes up and down at like 1% to 2%. And when you have big money, 1% to 2% is big bread. You got a, a half a million, 1% is six grand. You got um, what he allegedly says he has, I don't believe this shit, but he was like, I got a hundred million dollars in the stock market. And so he's like, if it goes up 1%, I make a million dollars in a day. And I was like, I mean, he's right that if you do have a hundred million in the stock market, you make a million dollars in a day. But that's why the rich get richer. I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm over here making somebody's monthly salary in a day. And all I did was have money. And so imagine Bezos, imagine Elon, they have all their wealth in stocks and then their stock goes up 10% in a day and they're making a billion dollars in a day. There's nothing you can't do when you have a bunch of money in the stock market. You can't get rid of the wealth, Raphael. And that's why that was the smartest thing that we could do because you take a million, you take 2 million, you take 3 million, take 10 million and you put it in stocks and the stocks go up and they go down and they go up and they go down. But if you buy the right stocks, you're going to go up more than you go down. And so you got 10 million and it's real when you see your stock account actually go up that you're like, damn, like a hundred thousand dollars in a day. Like you can't get rid of that, Raphael. Mm -hmm. Imagine if at least once a month I made a hundred thousand dollars in a day or at least once a week I made a hundred thousand dollars in a day. If you have big money, you can. It's easy. And so that's why you got to aggressively put money there. But um, yeah, it's just. The more money you have invested, and that's why I keep doing it. I had, I have a side account that um, I have a, so I have a few side accounts. I can give you an example, but mm-hmm. I had an account in my Chase and there was like 300 in there. And it was my Robo account that I always reference. And in like a week, it made like 15 grand. And I was like, that's crazy. I was like, that's $15,000. And this is connected to my bank account so I can see it. And I was like, I could just move that 15 over there and I could spend this. That's real money. I could buy whatever I want to buy. And so I was like, damn, if it did that with 300, what would happen if I put more in there? And so I put like another three in there. And um, I think last I checked, it was up like 60 grand. And so I was like, that's just one account made $60,000 in maybe two months, two months, 60 grand, just off of having money, Raphael. That's a Mm -hmm. robo account. That's not me doing the analysis. And so I put some more money over there today. I was like, we close escrow. I don't need this cash anymore. And so I put more money over there. I was like, I hope I can make another 10%. And so I'm realizing it kind of gives you like 10%, 5%, but 10% on $800,000 is $80,000. Like, and that's just stocks. And that's just one, that's, that's, that's just one account in stocks in three months. What did it do over the whole year? Like, that's what I'm seeing is I'm like, I like this stock money more than I like the gumroll money. The gumroll money just allowed me to get to the stock money because this stock money is love. 
Um, and it's repeatable. That's what I like about it is you can do it over and over and over again. You don't yeah. got to write a sale. You don't got to create a product. I'm just riding up the coattails of the products that they created. Elon, Bezos, Zucks, they work for me now. Thank you. I love y'all. <laughs> and that's, that's just like, it's just amazing. And, and if you have like, like um, if you have a million dollars, you make 10%, you make $100,000 in a year and you didn't do nothing. Right. That's where I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to where I consistently do nothing and get paid. And that's all I was telling my wife. I was like, like, I think on Wednesday, my stocks killed it. I wish I could see. Um, but it was like the day that I, the day that I kind of like had that issue with them, I want to say my stocks like did crazy numbers and I was really not having it. I can't see the day. I forget the day. I'm closing the 23rd right here. Yeah, like on the 23rd to 24th, it made like, like 30 grand. I made like 30 grand that day. I was like, y'all could go to hell. <laughs> I want to hear nothing y'all got to say. Yeah. The 23rd to the 24th. So the 24th, the day that I left early, I made $30,000 in the stock market and I didn't do nothing. I just had the money in position. Raphael, if you made $30,000 in a day and some dude is over here sending you a text about some shit, would, would you take too kindly to that? I would not. Right. I would not. Definitely not. Security guard ass motherfucker. Security guard ass motherfucker. Get out of here. Now, it's kind of cool just to get paid for. We talked about this. Uh, huh? Yeah. Let's put them in the shirt too. Uh, we talked about this in an episode before. Um, just getting paid just for ownership. Like getting paid just to be an owner. Which is cool. But here's the thing though. Um, do you ever sell off part of your position when you, you make these big gains? It depends. Um, I have a, a defined exit plan. Um, and so a lot of the stocks that I bought, um, so I have multiple portfolios. And so let's say hypothetically speaking, like my value portfolio, my exit is I'm, I'm selling when it goes back to coronavirus, pre-coronavirus levels, cause I'm not in it for chasing highs. Um, and so I'm holding it until I reach that point. I was in SPY and SPY actually did hit that spot and I sold it. I was like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in this to, to speculate and hope that a high goes higher. I'm just here to make my money and then look for another value opportunity. And so the value opportunity that I found was in these in these medical marijuana shares. And so that's kind of what I've been buying lately. But I'm not in the in, in these stocks. I'm not, even though I have to prevent myself from being tempted to do so, because um, because I've what I've experienced. So I'm looking at my portfolio and I want to say in June, in June, they forecasted that things are going to go back to normal. And my stock shot up. I was I was up pretty substantial. I was up like ninety six thousand on the year. And um, I thought I I was like what ninety six on the year? That's crazy. I never made that much money in stocks because before this, my best year in stocks was like twenty grand. I made like twenty grand. Thought I was the man. And so I dropped a course. <laughs> and so, um, but I held on to it, even though it corrected downward because my chart told me I'm exiting when it goes back to pre coronavirus levels and it's going to go there. And so I held it, I held it, I held it. And then the vaccine news came, popped. And that's when I made that $100,000 day. And then it actually dropped after that. And I, I lost uh, maybe like 25 grand of that, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 50 of that. So it went like from up 135 to being up 75. So I actually went down before and then it bounced back up. And at that point, I was up 189,000 on the year. And now it's kind of around 170 on the year. But I say all that to say that if I would have sold when I was up 96, I wouldn't have made the other 96. And so I got to stay down because my exit strategy is pre-coronavirus levels. Why? Because the stock's already been there. And if it goes there, I double my money. I double the entire portfolio. And so I tell people like, yeah, we made a lot of money, but we have so much more to make. 
And that's just based off me looking at the chart and seeing where it fell from where it is now. And it's tough for me to explain that. But if you understand the concept of value investing, it's kind of like buying real estate and knowing what the ARV is. I know what the ARV of this stock is. I know what it's going to be worth once everything is back to normal. And so I know what I bought it for. And I know what it's worth. And so I know how much more money I have to make. And that's how I know I have a deal. If you don't know those numbers, if you don't know your purchase price and your ARV, now um, you don't know what your exit is. I know what my exit is. My exit is when I sell it at the ARV amount. Now, the thing is, the crazy part about it is this is just fundamental investing. You would never see a real estate investor buy a property at the top of the market and hope that it just goes up. I'm just going to wait and hope. But that's how everybody on here trades stocks. They're like, oh, this is a good stock. It's been running up. I'm going to buy it and hope that it goes up. I'm like, now nah, I'm going to buy the ugly stuff. And y'all going to look at me crazy because it's ugly and because nobody's talking about it and because it's not doing 20 and 30 and 500%, but I'm going to double my money. I might even triple my money, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be out it because that's how you get clapped. A lot of people get clapped and they never even talk about it because they're chasing tops. And I told them, don't chase that damn top. Don't chase it. Invest like Charles. I've been doing this for like 14 years. It is sell the entire SPY, um, not SPY, I mean, SPG. SP, I haven't sold any SPG. I'm not oh. sure if I will um, sell SPG. I, that's my bay because that's paying for my house. So I might have to hold on to that one. Otherwise, I got to roll it into another dividend paying stock. I bought that for the dividends and the dividends. Right. I bought that for the dividends and the upside is just a plus. Got you. Because you did get it at like a 50% discount pretty much, right? I think I got it like a 30% discount. That thing was so discounted. So tell us real quick about one of your more underrated courses. Tell us, tell us about crisis money. I think people don't crisis talk about money. That. Um, so a long, long time ago, when I was an investor, a young investor, and I was trying to figure out how I can make money because I kept buying high popular stocks and losing money. And I was like, this, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And um, so I heard about this guy who's a very successful investor by the name of Warren Buffett. And I was like, let me read some books on Warren Buffett because obviously he knows what he's doing. And uh, Warren Buffett, like his, his, his whole philosophy is value investing. That's it. That's all he ever talks about is value investing. And I was like, this guy's the richest investor in the world. And nobody even talks about value investing. They just, they just look over it. I think that's a mistake. I always look at what successful people do and I emulate that. I don't like people who aspire to be successful and emulate that. And so I just read a bunch of Warren Buffett, studied a bunch of Warren Buffett and just adopted his principles. And I started making money. Wow. And so then I was like, I got to continue to do this because the thing is, is these people who are chasing top stop, tops, yeah, they might post some wins, but they hide their losses. And so they might be able to catch some stuff on the upswing, but that's not a solid strategy. You have to be able to do this at a greater than 50% win. So if you trade at the top of the market and you hit big, but then you also miss big on a bunch of stuff, you're not making any money. I want to, like, if you look at all my, I don't I don't own a losing position right now, Raphael, not in this account. In my other account, my TD Ameritrade account, where I was trying to be like the cool kids and I bought um, some- I bought some, what did I buy this losing? I bought some Apple. I bought some Amazon. I bought some NVIDIA. I bought some Zoom. I was trying to be like the cool kids and those stocks missed. But if you look at all my value plays, I own some Disney that's doing well. I own Mm -hmm. some JDB Nordstrom that's doing just crazy well. Um, I own Red Robin. I have some stocks that are just killing it. So um, when you chase the top, you get clapped, man. And I just, I just, that's kind of what I go through. I tell people how to find the bottom I go over examples of previous stocks that have done 
kind of what I predict are going to happen. And I might have to update it because a lot more has developed since this vaccine news. Mm, interesting stuff. Now, you had an interesting tweet. Let me get into that one before I forget. You said, I want community service to turn into something more lucrative than giving away free. Let's teach folks business and trades. Let's actually set them up to be independent. Um, I forgot where I got that from, but... I think I was, again, listening to my podcast and the guest was talking about doing community service. And I was like, we always do this community service and nothing changes. We go out there, we feed the homeless, we go out there, we do all this other stuff. I was like, why don't we do something that actually creates change? Why don't we actually like build something as opposed to just putting a bandaid on something? And so, I mean, as we continue to grow, we'll implement some things like that. That's what the Blessed Black Man Foundation is for. But even then I'm like, man, let's, let's go and Help them start a business. Let's go um, essentially just help them start a business so they can be self-sufficient or even get them situated so they can have their own job or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. But just continue to put band-aids over problems. Obviously, it's not working, but we continue to think that's the problem. And I think that's why I never really got into it when I was in college. And I think that's why most people don't really care about it, because it just seems like a formality that we do to make ourselves feel better about the less fortunate. Okay, gotcha. That's cool. So you're going to get into one last tweet before we wrap it up. Now that you're free, I see you had a tweet saying you can do a lot when you can actually pick up the damn phone. Yeah. Um, I was talking about just uh, working for myself as opposed to working in the office. Like somebody gave me a call today and I forgot what it was. And I forgot what it was. But I want to say it was a it was a lender or it was a deal Oh, it was the lender. I had a conversation with the lender and like, it was just a very empowering conversation. And I was like, I wish I would have been able to have these conversations like months ago, but you can't because you can't really take personal calls when you're on the clock. You can't get on your phone and send emails and you're on the clock. You can't like do any of that stuff. You're like their property for the eight, nine, 10 hours that you're there. And so that's why you'll make more money at working for yourself after you leave the job, even though you're doing the same activities. Because I call in a deal every day. I put in the offer every day. I'm talking to lenders. I'm talking to realtors. I'm taking notes. I'm making sure I got stuff organized. And just being able to, to do those things helps me out. Just being able to get on a conference call with my acquisitions team is going to help them and make them feel better and increase their morale, which increases participation. I couldn't do that when I had a job. I only had this much time. I couldn't talk to my interns when I had a job. I had, had to go through Sheridan. And I was like, no, nah, I got time. Let's get him on the phone call. Let's do this. I called Sheridan. Like now we're having a Monday meeting. We're having a Friday meeting. We're going to set up the week. We're going to debrief the week. Um, and I can do that at any time of the day, 12 o'clock at noon. I went live. Like I can do all these things because I own my time now. And owning your time is, is what's going to set you up to uh, like uh, truly achieve wealth. Because the money we got now ain't shit. It's not shit compared to what we can truly get now that we have our time. That time is invaluable. Yeah, hear that. Well, we're going to wrap it up because I am very tired. It's my birthday and I'm trying to you know, party. Rafael on his birthday, man. I didn't even know, man. You didn't even say anything. Yeah, man. I keep it I keep it on the low. I always try to keep it on the low. I don't really celebrate my birthday. Went to work today, man. I'm exhausted. But, you know, check out uh, our ebook, our first ebook, Don't Be a Little Beast, Start a Little Business at gumroad.com slash tweet talk. And you can put it in the... Somebody has this number one in there. Oh, you can't see that because the background. I'll put it in front of me. Somebody has this number one in their uh, their top podcast, even above EYL, man. Ooh. 
Check us out, man. Yeah, hot, man. So I just want to leave the listeners with two tweets from Charles to take us out. First tweet says, your boss's worst nightmare is you finding out how much you're actually worth. And the second tweet is, F COVID, get money. (laughs) And with that, your host, Rafael and Charles, shout out to all the advertisers and sponsors. Shout out to uh, Get Lace Laces because premium cakes need premium laces so get your premium laces at getlacedlaces.com shout out to investorsateam.com home of the official merch of generational wealth where you can get the ever popular you can't fire me the boss t-shirt shout out to my daughter and pure body company where you can get your all natural body care products at www.shoppurebodyco.com and shout out to Okiefa Shades get your premium premium shades at Okiefa okiefashades.com O-K-I-Y-E-F-A shades.com Shout out to all the brothers, shout out to the fam sponsors, advertisers for episode 77 of Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast your host Raphael and Charles we are out <laughs>